Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. For example, you could get a sample episode of Competitive Strategy with Kevin Coyne. Kevin Coyne is an ex-McKinsey partner, former worldwide head of strategy, and he had served something like over 25 CEOs on a personal level, on a one-to-one basis over his career. Kevin also has a program called How to Become a McKinsey Partner. It's the first time ever a McKinsey partner has gone on record talking about what is actually required to become a partner and you'll find it's very different from what you think is required how to develop deep insights which i have put together one of our most popular programs the electric car startup you will get sample episodes of all of those programs and more if you sign up to this list so that said i hope you enjoyed today's episode Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Firms Consulting Case Interviews and Management Consulting Podcast. And today, I'm going to answer the question from a client who is in industry. And a lot of our clients are in industry, government, and so on. And I particularly like trying to help them because, obviously, the way consulting skills need to be applied within industry is different than if you were just a consultant working for Deloitte or McKinsey or BCG. I'm going to read off the communication that's been sent to us, and I'm going to follow up by answering the questions that have been put forward. So I'd like to ask you, or maybe Michael, with, with regards to a real case I'm having with my work. I work for a company based in Switzerland that produces and sells medical devices in most of the European markets. We sell via local distributors. Now my company would like to explore the opportunity to take over the control of some markets and go direct instead of working with distributors. They've asked me to work on a plan to consider the convenience or not to go direct in Italy within the next one or two years. And they would like to receive from me a report that includes my final advice and two or three possible scenarios. My question to you is, should I approach this as a market entry strategy case? Do you have an indication about what program on the strategy training website I should focus on in order to get the most useful insights? In general, do you have any advice for me to help me to perform at best in this case? I'm going to show you the responses that were sent and then I'm going to follow up by answering the questions sent in the final email chain. So Flavio, thank you for your question. This is another market entry case since you're not entering new markets, which is true. This is the channel analysis case and a case of the benefits of moving to B2C from B2B. We have an article coming out on this and most of our thinking and going from B2B to B2C is in our digital strategy work like the digital and IT strategy study. That is where you should focus your attention. You should also listen to Deep Insights, 21-day program, and learn how to structure the correct promise statement in a program we called a typical McKinsey BCG et al. study, which is available to insiders. It's like 270 episodes. So I've listed some things insiders can use. Now, if you're not an insider, if you go to firmsconsulting.com, that's F-I-R-M-S-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com, and you register for free or you give in your email details, for a limited time only, we will give, send you, we will email you access for a preview of our most advanced programs available to insiders. So you can get a sense of how we teach in a more in-depth way. So this is the response from the client to that last email. And this is where I'm going to step in after this. I was listening to the material you suggested in particular about the move from B2B to B2C. That's business to business, from business to business to business to consumer. And I have two questions. I'm still struggling to understand which model fits my company. We sell to distributors and then they sell to surgeons. Surgeons then have to sell our pro- procedure to the patients. 
If we cut off the distributors, do we really move to B2C? Surgeons are not the final customers, patients are. My company has higher fixed costs, and for what I have learned from the material and strategy training, we should have high volumes. Because of that, we should have low margins, but my company wants to sell products at a premium price since our surgical procedure is considered premium. Is this a nonsense approach? Thank you in advance. If you can help me understand this, it would be great, and I'll send you a bouquet of flowers and some chocolate-covered strawberries. Okay, let's think about this, right? As a, as a sort of an overall perspective, I see one mistake in his reasoning. A lot of clients write to me and say, Michael, I'm working on a merger case. Can you show me the approach for a merger? Michael, I'm working on market entry. Can you show me the approach for market entry? Now, here's the thing I always tell people. Every client situation is so unique that what may look like a market entry case may not be a market entry case. Or what may be a market entry case may require a very different framework to solve. So I always tell people, you've got to learn how to build structures from first principles. You have to learn how to build structures from first principles. So when someone says, well, I'm not really interested in this banking case, I say, yeah, of course you're not interested in it, but we ha- any case, any study we put together has to be set in a sector. So if when you do an MBA and your professor puts up a, gives you a case to read about pharmaceuticals, you don't say, well, I'm not going to participate in this case because I'm going to join Goldman Sachs afterwards and it's a pharmaceutical case. No, you, it's the same principle. The principles we teach are directly relevant. But you, I always stress this to everyone. Get comfortable building problems on first principles. We teach that in two places. One in TCO, the consulting office, when we teach Felix how to brainstorm. Brainstorming results in a decision tree. A decision tree is a synonym for framework. So if you learn how to brainstorm correctly, you're building structures, you're building frameworks. Two, if you go to a McKinsey BCG typical study where we walk you through an engagement team leading a merger of a set of IT companies, it doesn't matter if you don't care about mergers. It doesn't matter if you don't care about IT. It doesn't matter if you don't care about Canada because that study is set in Canada. It's the problem-solving technique you need to learn. That's what you have to be good at. If you go around just chasing frameworks, I can assure you, you're not going to be successful. You're going to be lucky many times, but also you're never going to figure out those deep insights about what makes this client situation unique. So let's go back to to this client's problem, right? So they're already in Italy. So there's not a market entry strategy. They're in Italy. I agree with that one. They are considering, they're basically considering squeezing, their, compressing their channel. So you've got, they sell, they manufacture the product in Switzerland. They sell it to a distributor in Italy. That distributor then sells it to surgeons. And then surgeons, well, then those surgeons don't, I don't like the word sell. I hope they're not selling it, but they then need to recommend it to a patient, right? What this Italian company, what this um, Swiss company wants to do is they want to take over distribution. They want to strip out the wholesaler, basically. Distributor, wholesaler, call it what you want. So they're trying to move down the value chain. And my, re- my thinking is they probably feel they can do a better job dealing with surgeons. They can probably take more of the margin. So are they really B2C or B2B? Well, yeah, I would agree with him on this interpretation. It's not yet B2C. They they want to move further down the value chain, but it's still selling to a business. They're still selling to a business. They're probably going to be selling to a hospital or a hospital network or clinics and so on. So it's B2B, but B2B getting close to the consumer. The company has higher fixed costs. Okay, but this part I didn't get. Higher fixed costs relative to what? When you say high here, it's always relative to something. So is it higher to your variable costs? Is it higher relative to the industry? Because you can have very high fixed, you can have a higher fixed cost than your variable costs, but you could still be a luxury product because, for example, 
let's let's look at a company that's making luxury jewelry. In a point in time, when it invests in all of its equipment, its fixed costs go up. So the fixed costs at that point in time are relatively higher than its variable costs, right? I think that makes sense. Now, you would think here that because the variable costs are much lower, it shouldn't be a luxury product because luxury products require a lot of hand care, which means the, fixed, the variable cost should be higher. But in this case, it's still a luxury product because for that point in time, the cost structure is perfectly appropriate. So while this company has higher fixed costs, that doesn't mean that it, let's assume this company does have higher fixed costs than variable costs, right? Now, that doesn't mean that you can never sell at a premium. That's not true. This is all other things being equal, ceteris paribus. The iPhone's a magnificent example of a company with high fixed costs, lower variable costs, and sells at a premium. As much as those German companies would like to tell you about those BMWs and so on, about the luxury standards, most of them are high fixed cost businesses. Made in emerging markets like Hungary, Poland, Czech Republic, South Africa, I think, Mexico, Brazil. Even if there's a lot of detailed labor work being done, which there's not a lot of, the labor costs are very low, so the variable costs are much low, and they sell at a premium. So here's the thing. All other things being equal, if your fixed costs are higher than your variable costs, you have to produce a lot of volume to pay off those fixed costs. So you can spread the fixed costs over a lot of volume. But if your fixed costs are relatively higher, you can also produce low volume, providing you understand the numbers. And you can also sell at a massive premium depending on the product you're making. It's about the product you're making. You can definitely sell it at a premium if it's a premium product. Because here's the, here's the key thing that, that you need to understand. This thing about the trade-off between variable cost and fixed cost where we, we say all other things being equal, a product with a higher variable cost is going to have more detailed labor work which tends to cost more and generate a better product. That's an old way of thinking. In the modern era, with massive advances in artificial intelligence, machine scaling, and so on, you can program and you can build industrial processes and manufacturing processes that produce high-value, customized products without incurring a higher variable cost. So, yes, and a lot of the, the thinking and techniques in management consulting economics comes from an era when things were a little bit different. So, so I'm going to go through each one here. Let's go to the first one. I agree with him. It's still B2B. You are selling to surgeons. But here's the thing. Can you sell to surgeons? Can you build a distribution network in Italy? Why would you want to build a distribution network would be a better question for me. Is this a skill you have? Because you need to develop that competency. You need to invest in it continuously to be an outstanding distributor. Is this what the company wants to be, to become a distribution center of excellence? Because if you're not a distribution center of excellence, then why are you doing it? How can you ever be better than your current distributor? Unless there's some other reasons why you're going into distribution directly. Maybe it's to better communicate with surgeons. Maybe you feel the distributor has too many clients and maybe they're undercutting your products to sell another product. Maybe you had problems with quality control. You've got to trade this off. You've got to say, okay, if you want to be a distributor, right? If you want to be a distributor, why are you doing it? What are all the, the things that can go wrong and what are all the benefits? And then the big question is, can you be the best in the world? Because if you can't be the best in the world at this, then you shouldn't do it. You should get someone else to do it. Unless being best in the world is not that important to you. And there's some other benefit to being a distributor. Right? So you've got to think about that. Maybe you need a new distributor. Maybe you need to educate your distributor. But you really need to be a distributor. My feeling is no. You, are, you don't know anything about distribution. I mean, why build this competency? Because imagine a CFO meeting or a board meeting. If you have spent so much money building up distribution and it's very important to you, then distribution becomes a board level topic. 
you have not just talk about how distribution helps sell your products. You have to talk about how to be the best at distribution, how to develop new ways to distribute, how to invest in best practices. It becomes a business. And then if you neglect that business, if the board doesn't take it seriously, you just become a distributor that's distributing in name only and not very good at it in the first place, which becomes a problem later because the distribution doesn't work. So my question here is that, okay, if distribution is not working, why is a direct entry the best way? Because if distribution is not working, then you're saying that it's not the distributor that's the problem, it's distribution that's the problem and you can do it better. And I'm not convinced you can do it better. Then the other thing I would do is I would step above this and say, you're making money in this country through selling your products, right? Have you considered other ways of doing it, like, for example, licensing your technology and so on? I'm just putting it on the table. Your goal is to extract the profits from Italy. It's not to enter the Italian market because you're already in the Italian market. But you're in the Italian market technically in a non-market entry way because you have a distributor there. You haven't entered the market. So in a manner of speaking, you're in the market. But if you directly own your distributors, you enter the market formally. And I'm not convinced you want to do that because if you wanted to do that, you would have done it already. So right now, the way you are operating in the Italian market is you haven't formally entered the market you have essentially, you've created some kind of agreement with the distributor whereby they buy your products and they resell it. You've not entered the market. You've found a way to extract profits from the Italian market without entering the market. Market entry is not to be taken lightly. It is very, very hard. So nobody wants to do it. So if you're telling me you want to enter the Italian market by taking direct control of distribution and setting up your own distribution force, wow, that's a big deal. That means that you are not just unhappy with the distributor, you're not just looking to replace them. You're not just looking to extract profits that are entering the market. You want to be in the, you feel that being in the market, running a key part of the value chain is the best way to create value. And I'm almost convinced that's not the answer. I think it means maybe sending down some of your managers very often, flying them into Italy, spending time with the distributors, restructuring your agreements, setting in penalties, setting up an incentivization model so they promote your products. Maybe it's also having some of your people go along with the distributors to meet surgeons. You can do a whole lot of things, but do you need to do that only by entering the market? And I don't believe that is true. So to summarize, you are in the market, yes. But in another manner of speaking, you're not into the market. You have an agreement to get your products into the market where you're not exposed to much liabilities, my guess. My guess is when a product fails, the warranty lies with the distributor, not with you. Which if that's the case, it's, you haven't entered the market. But even if it's not the case, you still probably haven't entered the market. So you're, you're proposing market entry, which means that before you even get there, you've got to eliminate other ways to extract profits. If you've eliminated those ways, you have to eliminate other, you have to eliminate fixing the relationship with this distributor. If you've eliminated that, you have to uh, eliminate replacing this distributor. Only once you eliminate all of those things, then you enter the market. Can you sell your product at a premium? Absolutely. What makes a product premium is a couple of things. One is obviously a customer is willing to pay for it. Can you communicate the value and can you justify the value? And if you can do all of those things, it doesn't matter whether your fixed costs are higher than your variable costs. If those fixed costs are spent to make the product are better that gives it a formal differentiation in the market, then yes, you can absolutely charge a premium for that and you shouldn't worry about that. It's a rule of thumb. It is not an absolute rule like the law of gravity or something. So hopefully I've helped you think this through, but um, I can't for the life of me. 
see you guys in the next year entering the market directly take over distribution and i would certainly not recommend it there's a lot of things you can do to work with your distributors because you are not distributors you're a medical devices company the art of distributing is a completely different business unless you want to become an expert at it which means investing writing white papers doing r&d in something that's not your core business which most companies would never do i can't imagine your cfo saying we're going to spend 100 million creating a distribution warehouse with the latest devices no that's going to be shut down so don't invest in something unless you can be the best in it and if you can't be the best in it then you ally with people who can be the best in it and if they're not being the best for you then you got to sit down and hammer out that contract again and figure out how you can help them this is not core to your business it's definitely critical but it's not core to your business as always i hope you found that useful and if you have any questions or comments please put them in here they're quite useful because if you write, if you are putting in comments, tell us what you liked because then we know what to keep doing. And if you have a follow-up question, write it in the comments as well. Don't email us. Put it into the comments and we'll use that as a basis for a follow-up podcast. I enjoyed this and I hope you enjoyed it as well. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.